Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 157 with Linda Swindling. Linda is talking about asking outrageously, and she doesn't mean swindling people. I couldn't resist. That's her last name. It's just about being bold and courageous in the requests you make, and you may be surprised at what happens when you do. I think you're going to love this one because Andrea Waltz, episode 16, talked about asking boldly in her Go For No episode, and it's been a real hit. So I think this one will be too. You're going to walk away learning one. The right way to think about asking for more. Two, the drivers of asking discomfort and the practice approaches for overcoming them. And three, the main factors that drive whether you get a yes or a no. So if you'd like to check out the show notes, the transcripts, or the items referenced here with links, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep157. While you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out our cool stuff from the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course to the Gold Nugget email summary, which has the insights from each guest in an email you can read in under two minutes. And if you won't remember to get on your computer and go to that website, you can do it right from your phone by texting NUG, N-U-G, to 444-999. That's NUG, short for Gold Nuggets. If you text that to 444-999, then you can simply sign up that way. But please make sure you're at a complete stop if you're driving. Safety first. Here's Linda's story now. From the courtroom to the boardroom, Linda knows firsthand about influencing decision makers and asking outrageously. She has practiced law for 10 years and is now a recovering attorney, popular speaker, executive coach, and strategic consultant. She recently presented at TEDx SMU on the topic, Why the World Needs You to Ask Outrageously. And her newest book, Ask Outrageously, The Secret to Getting What You Really Want, will be released by Barrett Kohler in June 2017. So here's Linda. Linda, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks, Pete. Oh, now I got a real kick out of a time that you asked for something outrageously and your last name is Swindling and you made an outrageous ask to get that name prominently placed somewhere. Tell us the story. Yeah. Can you believe that? The yeah. Swindling attorney. There you go. And I actually had practiced <laughs> with a Linda Tricky at one time, if you can believe it. <laughs> Tricky and Swindling, attorney of the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it was kind of a crazy request, but my partner was about to change the name of the firm to add somebody. And I said, you know, you should add me too. It'll make us look bigger. It's better than, you know, your offices of and associates because we were growing and I had a book coming out. And I said, you know, and if my name was in the law firm name, I would use the name of our law firm in the jacket. And he said, really? He said, no way. And then he went home. And thought about it and might have had some influence from another decision maker, like the one he was married to. All right. And he came back and he goes, no, I like it. I like it. Let's do it. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, when people say, are you sure you know how to negotiate? I say, I got swindling in a law firm name. And they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Great, huh? And so now I love the title of your upcoming book here, Ask Outrageously. And this reminds me of one of our most popular episodes ever was Andrea Waltz with Go For No, which was a yeah. hit, episode 16 yeah. there. And so I think there's more to be said about going for it. And so tell us, what do you mean by outrageously when you say ask outrageously? 
it's actually ask for more than you think you deserve. Ask outside your comfort zone. And a lot of us hold ourselves back for all sorts of reasons. But ask for more and see what happens. And really get into the practice of asking for more and just seeing how it lands and what happens. Okay, now that's an interesting phrase, more than you think you deserve. So can you give us an example of how that can come to life? Sure. Salary negotiations. All right. You are about to be hired and you're in salary negotiations and you say, well, you know, to yourself, maybe I should just accept what they're offering. They probably know what the market is. No. Ask for something more. Ask for more vacation. Ask for better benefits. Ask for moving expenses. Ask for, you know, a bigger pay increase. Because here's what happens. We had many, many respondents that said, wow, I should have asked for more when I was hired. Because later on, I found out everybody else's starting salary was more, they got more vacation, or I could have had it if I just asked. Okay, understood. And so I guess I'm thinking about the nature of more than you think you deserve. I guess what I'm imagining from a salary perspective is, okay, I've done my research on you know, all the websites and I have a sense for the salary range. and then. I don't know. I think if I were in those shoes and I asked for a number that was clearly above the range, Uh I might be thinking or wondering, I don't even know if I believe it myself, (laughs) that I should have it. And so how do you tackle that one? You tackle it by not making that your very first outrageous ask. Okay, That's the very first thing. You've got to get into the habit of everywhere you go, asking questions and asking for a little bit more. So I think that's one of the biggest problems. People wait to negotiate and ask for things until it really counts. And that's crazy. Okay. It needs to be, you know, just second nature. You just ask. So that would be the first thing I would say. Secondly is you want to have a good story behind why do you deserve more? So perhaps it's something that you learned that nobody else has, or maybe You know, if you're asking for a raise, perhaps it's the expertise you bring or the outcomes you've already had. And you say, you know, based on this, I'm going to be able to do more in the future for you. I'm going to be able to do these things in the future. So it's showing them, you know, I'm worth it because I'm going to bring these things to you. Okay, very good. And so then can you share with us some everyday living life times and examples in which you might get some of those practice reps in of asking for a little more? Oh, absolutely. You want to hear the one thing that people won't ask to do? Well, how can I say no? Yeah, we do very much want to hear that. (laughs) This is the biggest. This is more than asking to borrow money. This is more than asking someone out on a date, you know, in your personal life. This is more than asking for a raise. Take a big deep breath. Here we go. The biggest thing people will not ask for is to cut in line. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Can you believe that? Think about it. When you're grocery shopping and you've got a big cart full of stuff, a big buggy full of food, and you see somebody behind you with just two items, don't you say, hey, please go ahead of me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most people, though, won't say, do you mind if I go ahead of you? Is that crazy? Yeah, it's it's interesting. In in some Uh ways, I feel it in my belly that that would be hard to do. But at the same time, my rational brain knows that that's really low stakes. Like the worst you're going to get is a disgusted look. And they say, are you kidding me? 
how? Like, that's the worst that's going to happen from a total stranger. <laughs> right. And to increase, you know, all you have to say is because. Believe well, it or not, this, there's yes. a study. Yeah, yeah. You just say because. And it can be even, you know, because I've got an errand to go run or because I'm running late on time. You can even say because I don't like waiting in lines. I mean, that's crazy. But just anything okay. that follows the because. So you're at the grocery store. You pick up one item and you go stand behind someone with a big cart full of things and say, hey, do you mind if I go ahead of you? I'm just picking up this one thing, which is true because you've just picked it up. That's right. And see what happens. You may have heard this before. Go somewhere where people are used to others asking. So you want to go to a flea market. You want to go to a garage sale. You want to go somewhere where people are constantly asking for things. and. You know, I used to, when my kids were young, I would go and buy Little Tykes toys, which are the dinosaur bones, right, of our generation, because those plastic things are never going to dissolve, the little slides and the cars and all that. And I would short myself. I'd only put $10 in my pocket or five, and I would go up and I'd say, oh, I see that this is $35. Would you take $5 for this? You know, worst case, what are they going to say? No way. Right. And that's fine. (laughs) you know, because I didn't need it, but I've practiced. And so you want to practice asking until you get a no. Back to the grocery store. You're at the grocery store. Ask somebody something simple like, hey, which tomato looks better to you? This one or this one? Or, hey, I noticed you have this bread in your cart. Do you like this bread? Because I haven't tried this brand. Or go to the deli counter and say, I know that these are all on sale. Which three do you like the best? Or what's your favorite out of this one? And ask people, just ask them outrageous questions. Mm -hmm. You know, think of somebody, have you ever gone into a store and they won't even make eye contact with you? They're on their phone or they're talking about their dates or whatever it is. Oh, sure. Yeah. Say, hey, I hate to interrupt you. And, you know, would you mind helping me with this? Just ask them, interrupt them. Let me say them and they. Are you talking about shoppers or the people who are supposed to be no, assisting you? No, the salespeople okay. that are supposed to be helping you or <laughs> well, the that's stalker. that's fair. It's kind of like. Like a stalker, as, uh, not stalker, but stalker. One who stalks. Right, right. Putting things on the shelves, person, not the one following you around. Say, do you mind? They'll say, yes, it's on aisle 13. Do you mind showing me where that is? Would you show me where that is? I mean, what are you doing? You're giving them a chance to serve you better. That's perfect. So little things. May I have a free dessert? You know when fast food is not fast? Have you ever sat in a fast food line? When I get up to the line, I say, you know, that really wasn't fast. Do you mind? And I'll ask him for something. Adding some fries to my order for free? Upgrading me to this? Giving me a hot apple pie? Whatever it is, you know, whatever restaurant you're at. And see what they say. And if they say no, that's all right. It probably wasn't good for you anyway. But if they say yes, it's a win. You've practiced. Oh, now, Linda, what I really dig is that you brought it home. That's a whole lot of ways that you could practice every day and get sort of in the groove. And it's interesting because I think, you know, inside our own internal emotional calibration to this stuff, it's like there have been times in my life or when I'm in just the mood that uh, that's just sort of fun. It's a thrill and I enjoy it. And it's like, let's see what happens. It's just kind of an exciting adventure. And there are other times in life, it's like, oh, oh no, I don't want to be an inconvenience. That's mm-hmm. all. And so can you maybe talk a little bit about sort of that emotional layer here in terms of reframing some perspectives or, you know, talking some sense into ourselves so we can kind of go after that? Sure. The very first thing is 
Pete, you're saying it's a game. About one out of five. Okay. Say, this is a game. This is fun, you know, and sometimes it's not worth it. We don't want to deal with this too much pressure. It's the other four out of five that they're just, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to hear no. The big reasons they don't, the three big reasons most of us don't are, you know, we don't want to overwhelm or bug somebody that we're asking, right? right? We are afraid that we may not use the right words. We may not get our message across correctly, or we may look stupid. (laughs) I don't Uh want to look stupid or embarrass myself. And once you get over that, those three, first off, are not the reason why people tell you no. But the big thing is, once you say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and ask, even though I feel uncomfortable doing it, and just feel the fear. And the practicing outside of work or even practicing inside of work, asking a coworker to help you or asking for something from a different department or asking a vendor or supplier for something. Once you kind of get into the groove of doing that and knowing, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I survived in reminding yourself, this is not the first time someone's asked them something. Yeah. Once you can remind yourself that, then it starts becoming second nature and the highest high stakes deal makers will tell you it really is no different. You going to a garage sale or a grocery store or whatever and asking for help feels no different than making a multi-million dollar deal. It's that same kind of excited energy, adrenaline rush, a little bit of the fear factor. It all feels the same. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying just get that acclimation associated with it and you're all good there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, and I keep quoting things, but I was nervous about asking people to take a survey. Oh, I bet. Here I'm the expert, right, on asking outrageously. And I was nervous to ask. And I had promised the publisher that I would have, you know, a significant amount of people. And I had 500 people, which is a good amount. But my other surveys were 800 and over 1,000. And about two weeks before it was due, I put a little call out to my friends and said, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I've run this survey for almost four months and I only have 500 people. And guess what they told me? We will help you promote it. They said, have you asked people? Oh. <laughs> have, you asked, have you asked people to actually take it? I said, well, I've tweeted it a couple of times and I buried it on my e-tips. You know? <laughs> I said, okay, well, that's not really asking. Why don't you ask people and tag them? And so the statistics came about because just in doing that, in less than two weeks, we had basically doubled the amount. We had over a thousand people take the survey. Oh, that's so good. Well, can you stop if I can get you for a minute there? So you asked them and tagged, and this is just on Facebook. Like, what are the actual tactics? Mm -hmm. Like, if I want to double my next listener survey. Right, right. What do you do there? (laughs) I asked them and tagged them. So around Facebook, like, John, Mark, Pat, Fred, did you take the survey? Yes. And ask right. what my, man, the biggest or the worst event that happened was Facebook said, you have tagged too many people. No more tagging for you. And they put me in, you know, Facebook timeout where I couldn't tag for a while, maybe three days or something like that. But my friends were still tagging. So, <laughs> so I did that. And then I did some LinkedIn and tweeted, but mainly it was Facebook for me. And they know, I mean, they're all my friends or they've, sat through a speech I've done, or they know me through a something. And they just needed to be reminded, oh yeah, well, Linda's doing that survey now. 
That's great. And so did you have any magic words in there? You talked about the because or did you say, since you're such a helpful person or was there any kind of magic copy to be used? Perfect question. You know what? You don't want to do that. Okay. You actually want to just ask outright. We are so busy putting words in front of things. You know, hey, because you're such an important person (laughs) and because you're blah, blah, blah. And immediately all of us, our smell factor kind of goes off. We're like, that doesn't smell right. That doesn't meet the smell test. You know, what does she really want? Instead, I said, I have, I've got a big outrageous ask. Would you guys take the survey? Would you be willing to take the survey? And would you be willing to ask 10 of your friends to take it? <laughs> and then I had the link. And then I had the extra stuff, you know, which is what it was about. And here's my TEDx talk that I'm going to do and things like that. But yeah, I don't put all the fluff in front of it. Think like a little kid. Have you been around little kids who want a something, a toy, candy, something? Yes, I'm imagining this right now. Or maybe you at one time, right? Uh huh. They just ask and they ask and they ask and they ask. And eventually they wear you down and you give it to them. Okay. Or they get in trouble. One of those two uh-huh. things, right? But we're so busy trying to perfect exactly the way we say it or making sure we've done our research. In fact, that's one of the biggest pitfalls. You know, the biggest response we got on something was, how do you get ready? How do you feel more confident, you know, when you're asking big? And oh my gosh, we had 800 and some odd people say, I know all the details or I've done all my research. And that has little to do with why people tell you no. Okay. And what are the main drivers between the yes and the no? Well, what we think are... You know, we think I didn't have all my research, that maybe I asked them at the wrong time, or they didn't have money. Those are kind of what we think it is. All right. No, it's two things. One is people say, you know, when this person came to me, they really, I don't trust them. All right. I don't respect or trust them. And so if I don't like, trust, or respect you... And that's what you should be doing is building your rapport with me, having me trust you, doing some trustworthy things instead of piling details and research on me. So that was the first one. The second one was even more interesting. They're asking me for the wrong thing. So it's an inappropriate. They're asking me for something that's just not appropriate for me to give them. So I'm not in the right role. This is not something that we give. You've just targeted the wrong person for the wrong thing. So those two were just big ahas. So we're all worried about, you know, here, I'm going to pile on some more information and I've got to time it exactly right. And boy, they better have the money. And that's not what it is. It's, you know, I would have given it to them if I liked them, if I trusted them, if I respected them. I don't. I don't even know them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, she's asking me for something that I just can't give. It's like going into a hardware store and saying, I'd like a chicken fried steak right? You're not going to get it there. And so that was a big surprise. And I saw it. So that's part of your preparation, right? Is figuring out who's the right person and can they give me what I'm asking for? And so I guess when you talk about the reasons for people saying no, I think in in a sort of a sales context, maybe this just falls into the category of inappropriate, but I'm just thinking we're going with somebody else who's a better fit. Mm -hmm. Depending on how broad we make that inappropriate category, I guess we could subsume that. But Are there other top reasons or these are the two? Those are the two. There is one that's, you know, kind of deals with the information gathering. It's the person can't respond 
intelligently to the questions about their request. They're making a request. And then I ask them for some follow-up that any ordinary person should know, and they can't even respond to me. So, you know, a lot of times consultants or salespeople or independent people, someone will say, well, how much do you charge? And instead of saying, I'm $100 or whatever the fee is, I'm $100,000, we hem haw around. Well, you know, it could be this, it could be this. And people are like, you don't even know what you charge? I know what I charge, you know. So it could be that. It could be that you say, well, what are you going to use this for? So why is this important? And they look at you with just deer in the headlight kind of looks, kind of stares. I don't know. Well, I don't know is they didn't know enough about their request and why they wanted it. Mm-hmm. But usually most people will grant. I mean, it's amazing. People just grant you things just by asking. Okay. Well, so now I think there's another bit of potential resistance here in terms of folks who might not just kind of run and sprinting towards, you know, full-blown outrageous asking. And that could be that we don't want to feel like a taker in aggregate, I guess, in terms of there could be an individual request and maybe we should just get over it. Like, okay, you know, people are not as cold and unyielding as you make them out to be. There, People are generally willing to help. But I think that we also don't want to be just sort of takers in terms of I just sort of am greedy or kind of Uh getting everyone else to do my stuff for me or whatnot. So how do you respond to the, I don't want to be that kind of a person sort of a resistance piece? Right. Well, that is a common. People are much more comfortable two-thirds so of asking for someone else. Hmm. They're making the same request, but they're making it on behalf of someone else. So I can ask for money for a donation for an organization, but not for myself. Or I can ask for some consideration, think about this employee under my care instead of asking for myself. Same request, just it benefits others. So there is that greediness. You know, we're so worried about being greedy. And, you know, we've been socialized to do this. We have been educated that it's better to give than to receive. It's better to do what's best for our country than do what's best for us, right? (laughs) So that is ingrained. A lot of us have it in religion. But there's also lots of things that you are raised with that counteract that. So that's one of the primary things. You know, everybody points, let's say it's Christianity. Everybody's pointing to the Bible. Oh, you're supposed to be humble and give and everything else. Yeah, but there's all these voices about, or all these passages, verses about ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be open, seek and you shall find. You know, it's so that's one thing is looking at the conditioning and saying, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder where that came from. I wonder why I think that would be greedy, where if someone asked me, that wouldn't be greedy for me. Okay. Just flip it. Sure. Yeah. And there is a workaround. And the workaround is this. Let's say you do want to ask for a raise, because that's one of the most popular requests. And by the way, the odds are in your favor, Pete, if you ask for a raise. Did you know that? Do tell. How much so? Yeah. By 1% more. Okay. (laughs) 51%. Yeah, 51% of the people ask for and received a raise. And out of that, 9% of those people got more than what they asked for. Crazy, right. right? That's great. Yeah. So that's in your favor. So a workaround for you for raises, let's say, is think about who else will be touched, will be benefited if you get that raise. So if I get that raise... 
my family and I can move from this apartment to a home. If I ask and get more vacation, I will be able to take a trip finally. If I ask and get something on my behalf, who else? So for me, a workaround in law school, when I was so scared to ask questions, everybody was rolling their eyes, you know, oh my gosh, what stupid questions being asked now. I had two workarounds. One was there's other people in this classroom who don't know this. I'm not the only stupid one here, right? So when I ask a question, it helps other people. It benefits other people. The other workaround was what's worse? What's worse? Explaining to your husband, who's also going to school and delivering pizzas so that you all can stay in school, that you were too scared to ask a question about something you didn't understand. Is that worse than asking a question and being embarrassed in front of these people that can't hire you? Yes, it was. It was more embarrassing (laughs) to say, hey, honey, I flunked out of law school because I wouldn't ask a question. So, you know, that is another workaround. What's worse? Living with a salary, working with this team, living in this area, whatever it is, what's worse than asking? Mm. And if you can worst case and say, no, this other thing's worse. I'd rather know. I'd rather ask and be a little uncomfortable for a little bit than have to live with the result if I don't. And, you know, that's one more thing. A third of us have not asked for something big and then watch somebody else get it. Okay. All right. That's persuasive. So, well, now maybe you could demonstrate for us and this will probably be very short and quick and easy based on what we've discussed. So let's say here you are, you're in the workplace, you need some help from someone else in another department. How would you demonstrate a model ask for that assistance? So if I can, I want to go face to face. Okay. And I'd walk up to them and say, I need some help or can you help me? Or what's the process to do this? And I would just ask them. I wouldn't build it all up. I wouldn't tell them why it's in their best interest. I would go and ask them. I'd have the backup, you know, well, why do I need to help you? Well, it's in both of our interests because this is going to make us work smoother or this will allow you to not be part of this, you know, team. But I would just flat out ask them first Mm -hmm. and then just wait and see what happens. And and this is a big one, Pete, do not put two or three asks ahead of it to try to build up. Don't do a lot of talky-talky to get them to like you. Just say, you know, hey, Pete, I've got a request. Can you get these reports into me at two o'clock on Mondays? And you say, well, you know, that's really rough. Well, Pete, we have a three o'clock meeting every Monday, and that way I could give them the updated forms. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of times you just need the reason. So just ask them, see what they say. They don't even know. You know, we are so afraid. And the big thing is people don't even know what we want. We've been thinking about it for months. Give them an opportunity to respond. And even if they respond, no, it may be because they need to think about it a little bit longer. Okay, very good. Thank you. Well, Linda, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So. The big thing for a lot of people, a lot of people say, oh, well, women don't ask. And there's actually books and studies about that. What women are afraid of a lot of times are they're afraid of the word negotiation. Ooh, does that sound like a swear word? Negotiation. (laughs) Oh, so scared, right? (laughs) It's too long for most swear words. (laughs) (laughs) Way more than four letters. (laughs) Right. Right. So negotiation 
if you are actually working with someone or coaching or you're in a relationship with someone who's worried about negotiation, just say, you know, all we're asking you to do is you ask a couple of questions. He or she's going to respond to you with a couple of questions. You might provide some information. Then you could kind of see if there's going to be an agreement, which is what a negotiation is. Mm-hmm. If you'll change those words to just, I think you can do it. Nobody else is more prepared to do that. Go ahead and just ask and walk them through that. A lot of the encouragement is what people said. You know, if someone would just encourage me, I'd be better. I'd be better asking or, you know, I just hadn't ever had someone say they saw me as a leader. They saw me as someone that could ask for something like this. So that's a big one. And another one is, you know, we are no different in our personal life or our professional life when it comes to asking. It's about the same. Statistics say, you know, you're about as effective in your personal life as you are in your professional life. So if you feel more comfortable personally asking, then start beefing it up in professional and say, you know what? The statistics say it's still the same. <laughs> Just talk yourself into it. Right. That's good. And I believe it. I mean, on the one hand, it's surprising. On the other hand, it's kind of like, well, you know, that guy or gal who is one way in the grocery store is the same person at work. And so if that's sort of a comfort thing or a fun thing for them, yeah. it seems quite natural that it yeah. flows both ways. Yeah, I would give you one more on that one too, is, you know, when you're asking outrageously all over at the grocery store, wherever you just said, you know, just look for the decision makers, look for those managers, those leaders, see if you can spot them and ask them outrageously because often they're used to it. They're so used to people asking and you almost want to watch and see how they turn you down. You know, they're not offended. Can I have an upgrade to my hotel room? Oh, I'm sorry, we're sold out. Sure. Is there anything else you could do? You know, you can ask them, just see what happens. You're not going to offend them. You're not going to embarrass them. They get asked all the time. Just watch them. Just stand there, observe and watch them. And once you start dealing with the decision makers, you'll be able to start spotting them at work instead of those people that just waste your time. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Well, so now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah, I love that quote by Ben Sweetland. Success is not a destination, it's the journey. Love that quote. That's why my company's journeyon.com. It's what gave me permission to leave the law and go and do something else. You know, your career is part of your journey. Just you're responsible for it and just continue on your journey. And sometimes you're in fast track and sometimes you're taking the little, you know, rest stop and resting. Sometimes you exit all together for a while. But just remember that you know, what you've got and what you've learned, those weren't mistakes. Those were learning opportunities, part of your journey. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Right now, I love mine, right? Because I've got, I have several. The Ask one is good on askoutrageously.com. But if you have some leaders that are looking for high performers, you might have them look at the uh, drivehighperformance.com study. There's one there. And the complainer study, that was the one that really surprised me. So that's at stopcomplainers.com. So I have three that, you know, I was surprised about some of the studies in the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Well, now, if you may, what should we know about driving high performance real quick? Yeah, high performers, most people will give promotions and they're looking for when they're hiring people who can solve problems, people who are self-starters good communicators, and the top 
top high-performance quality people are looking for is how well do you play in the sandbox with others? Basically, what kind of person do you show up at work? Are you positive? Do you pitch in and help others? Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. And how about a favorite book? Well, gosh, Getting to Yes has always been a favorite book of mine. I love Getting to Yes by Fisher and Urey. It's a negotiations book and it's kind of the seminal work on how you do win-win negotiations. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite tool, whether it's a product or service or app, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Yeah, I use constant contact to stay in touch with people. I send out an e-tip every month. And there's a feature on it that most people don't know about. It's a text back feature. So if you have people in sales or people who do presentations, they can text and then receive an email prompt. And I can give it to you all and you'll pretend it like you're my you know, last participant if you want just to see what it looks like. Would that be helpful? So I send a text to a number and then I get a yeah. text back, which tells me to email. What's, what happens? Email <laughs> to email. Yeah. So let me give it to you. So you would put in the two line, like instead of two Linda, you'd put four, two, eight, two, eight. So four, two, eight, two, eight. Okay. And then like the body of the message, I have a word ask, A-S-K. So you hit that send button it comes back to you and it says, thank you for sending us this. If you want Linda's bonus materials, please put in your email now. Oh, yes. And then you put in your email, you send it, and then it gives you some, you know, tools that you would, for me, they're kind of hard to find. I have these websites, you know, and so I link them to tools. And then it says, if you want to continue getting e-tips every month, you can get e-tips. And a lot of people don't know Constant Contact has that text feature in it. And, you know, that's what we use to stay in touch with everybody. Oh, that is really handy. Thank you. And how about a favorite habit? Favorite habit. My favorite habit is having virtual coffee. Have you ever done a virtual coffee break? So I probably, like a lot of people, I have friends in different parts of the world or even, you know, different parts of the city. And so we'll just set up just like we were going to have a coffee meetup or whatever. And we'll just sit and catch up and have a cup of coffee and we'll set it up like an appointment. And I'll block everything off and we'll do a virtual coffee meetup and just sit and relax and talk to each other. So they are on Skype or FaceTime or phone and you're holding a beverage? Yes, I'm holding a beverage. Okay. Sometimes an adult beverage. <laughs> yes. <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beer time. Yeah. <laughs> virtual yeah. beer time. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And how about, is there a particular nugget or piece that you share that seems to really resonate and connect with people in terms of they're taking notes, they're nodding and all that? Sure. The biggest one is if you're not hearing no, you're not asking for enough. You should be going to the no, you know? All right. And then the other one is you're responsible for your own career. Nobody is going to look out for you like you will. And that, that can feel very at times greedy, you know, you use that word, but just remember that you really are responsible for making sure you get the training, making sure you've got the opportunities and asking. Okay. And Linda, if folks want to learn more or get in touch with you, where would you put them? Yeah, I would send them either to my websites. They have connections. So lindaswinling.com or askoutrageously.com. Or if you're more of a Twitter person, at lindaswinling is how I'd love to touch base with you guys. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I do. I've got the 24-hour challenge. So the 24-hour Ask Outrageously challenge is this. 
you've heard this material, I double dog dare you in the next 24 hours to go ask outrageously at least three times. Go ask for something more than you think that you deserve. And two of them have to be professional. Go ask. And if you want to report your results, you know, tweet. You can tweet me at Linda Swindling and do like hashtag ask outrageously or something. But I want to see what you'll get. You'll be shocked. Most people report they have gotten their raise or they got a client to close a deal or someone, you know, returned a phone call or they took a coworker to lunch. But 24 hours, 24 hours from now, ask outrageously at least three times and see what happens. Okay, very good. Well, Linda, this was so much fun. Thank you and keep on asking. Thanks, Pete. Ask outrageously. Probably the line that stuck with me the most from Linda is, I'd rather ask and be a little uncomfortable for a little bit than have to live with the result if I hadn't asked. That's potent. And I've lived it. Whether that's in times of back in the day when it comes to dating, (laughs) I'm married now, or whether it's in the realm of negotiations, salary, money stuff. And it is a bit of an uncomfortable moment when I've said a number, maybe I thought was a little high, (laughs) but then they said, yes, I was like, that's awesome. And that was much more comfortable to survive that for a little bit and then enjoy the increased compensation in the given engagement coming forward. So I hope that enriched you as well. And again, if you'd like to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items that we referenced, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep157. And I do hope you'll punch the subscribe button if you haven't already. That way you'll catch our next guest. It's Michael Papadek. And Michael has wisdom when it comes to forging resilient relationships and how that's done. So I hope to catch you then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.